Hello and welcome to the Simply Wall Street Market Insights. My name is Michael, and this week we're covering part three of the big trends, energy and climate. But first, here's our quote of the week. Every once in a while, a new technology, an old problem, and a big idea turn into an innovation. Dean Carmen. This week, we're having a look at another key secular trend, the transition to clean energy and the electrification of the global economy. We touched on some of the relevant industries in May, but there's a lot more to cover, so let's take a deeper look. The accelerating clean energy transition. The transition to cleaner sources of energy is not only a secular trend, but one that appears to be accelerating. There are three major reasons that this is occurring now. One, energy independence. The war in Ukraine and its effect on Europe's energy supply has highlighted the risk of relying on other countries for your energy needs. Two, climate change. There's an increased sense of urgency around climate change. The current heat waves around the world are yet another reminder. Three, economics. By 2020, solar photovoltaic and onshore wind has become the cheapest forms of energy to finance. It took a lot of subsidies to get to that point, but renewable energy now makes sense from a business standpoint alone. Some analysts believe that 2022 was a pivotal year and may have marked the peak in oil demand. This has been predicted incorrectly in the past, so don't read too much into that. What we do know is that the mix of generating capacity is tilting quickly towards renewables. We also know that there's a long way to go before the world can stop relying on fossil fuels. But the key word here is transition. The world cannot sustain our current usage of fossil fuels environmentally or in terms of resources. If we can achieve a mix of both renewable and fossil fuels that is sustainable for the long term, then that's a good place to be before a full energy transformation takes place. The chart in the article from JP Morgan Asset Management shows just how much would need to be invested by 2030 to stay on the net zero by 2050 scenario. Now that may seem like a pipe dream, but if the urgency increases, it may happen sooner than we expect. As investors, we want to find companies that can generate above average returns and that have the opportunity to reinvest profits for years and decades to come. The energy transition is an ideal environment to find opportunities like this, and there are lots of industries to investigate. Broadly speaking, they fit into three categories. One, electrification. Two, generation. And three, storage. Let's start with electrification. If the world is going to use electricity from renewable sources, the demand side needs to be electrified. Most of the energy used for transport, manufacturing industries, and the heating and cooling of buildings still comes from oil, gas, and coal. This consumption needs to be converted to electricity before the supply can come from renewable sources like wind and solar. In May, we discussed electricity infrastructure and the HVAC, which stands for Heating, Ventilation, and Air Conditioning Industries, that play an important role here. Electric vehicles are the well-known face of this transition, thanks to rapid success of the likes of Tesla and other EV makers. Tesla and BYD are the world leaders in the EV space and way ahead of smaller pure-play competitors like Neo, Lee Auto, and Rivian. But most of the world's legacy automakers are now also competing in the EV space. The EV industry is caught between two competing narratives. The bearish perspective is that while growth is a certainty, competition will drive margins down to the low single digits for those competing in the space. As Warren Buffett said recently when he was asked about EVs, he said, quote, the auto industry is just too tough. The more bullish narrative is that EVs led by a Tesla are ushering in a world of autonomous vehicles, and in particular, autonomous ride-hailing services. If this happens, vehicles can become income-producing assets. It could also mean that demand will outpace supply for years to come and margins will remain at their current levels. Investors will need to weigh up these two narratives and the likely timelines, 
but there are also many ways to invest indirectly. One is via the lithium battery industry, which we'll cover shortly. And the other is by investing in companies that supply other components. Chip makers like NXP, ST Microelectronics, OnSemi, and AMD are all key suppliers to the EV industry. Borg Warner Inc. is an interesting and lesser known company. The company historically supplied products used by legacy, hybrid, and electric automakers, but it's now divesting from legacy assets to focus on EV-related products. Now let's go into generation. Solar and wind. In 2022, wind and solar generation provided 22% of Europe's electricity, edging out both gas and coal. Many countries now have ambitious targets to increase the share of energy generated from solar and wind projects. As an example, the Inflation Reduction Act in the US includes $369 billion for renewable energy generation. We mentioned the solar industry in May, so what about wind? Wind energy generally involves industrial projects, other than residential, with large upfront capital requirements. The advantage of wind is the fact that it's not confined to daylight hours. Ultimately, most governments are pursuing both solar and wind. From an investor's point of view, both industries can offer opportunities. The wind industry is diverse and includes multinational utility-scale operators, independent power producers, and the companies that design, manufacture, install, and service turbines. Wind turbines are getting bigger too. The world's largest has a diameter of 850 feet, which is 259 meters. So logistics is an increasingly important part of the value chain. The wind energy stocks list includes companies operating throughout the wind energy value chain. I will provide a link in the article. Now let's move on to storage. Storing energy created from renewable sources remains the biggest challenge. Both solar and wind energy are intermittent, which means electricity needs to be stored for later use. Until this problem can be solved at a price that makes sense, alternatives are needed to provide baseload energy. This problem also offers the greatest potential for innovation and billions are being invested to drive that innovation. The EV revolution is driving demand for lithium ion batteries, which in turn is driving demand for lithium, cobalt, nickel, and graphite. These batteries are becoming very efficient and several EVs now have ranges above 500 kilometers. The downside is that they are very expensive. Our battery stocks collection highlights six key battery and lithium companies if you're interested in this angle on the narrative. Again, there'll be a link in the article. Currently, the best alternative is hydrogen, which has applications beyond transport and residential installations. Hydrogen is produced using energy from any other source and then later converted back into electricity by combining it with oxygen in a fuel cell. Green hydrogen is produced from renewable sources, while blue hydrogen is produced from natural gas with the CO2 emitted being captured and then stored. Hydrogen is relatively light, but takes up more space than lithium ion batteries. This means it's better suited to trucks and potentially for industrial applications. The downside of hydrogen is that it's relatively inefficient as energy is lost during its production and again when it is converted into electricity. Despite its drawbacks though, hydrogen can be used to store energy for baseload generation and for industrial use. Equinor is currently building a hydrogen pipeline from Norway to Germany to supply blue and later on green hydrogen. In the US, Air Products, Bloom Energy and Plug Power are key players in the hydrogen industry. There are actually lots of ways to store energy. Current experiments include hot sand, liquid air and gravity systems in disused mine shafts. The challenge here is making them cost-effective and practical. We haven't covered everything here, so in a future newsletter, we'll have a look at nuclear, hydroelectric power, pump storage, carbon credits and trading, and carbon capture. So what's the insight? 
investing in the energy transition. Here are a few thoughts on investing in the energy transition. One, keep an eye on regulations and policy. Regulations have held a lot of projects back, but things can change quickly when policies change. Two, the energy transition is likely to include a mix of solutions, including fossil fuels, for a long time. It's worth looking into a few different industries to see which angle to take. Three, MSCI's thematic indexes are a useful resource for finding companies in energy industries as well as other secular trends. The index fact sheets typically list the largest 10 companies in each index. Once you've found a stock or multiple that are within this big trend and set to benefit from its continuing to develop, it's important to build a narrative around each investment which can then be used to justify a purchase decision and to monitor the stock. Here's a structure that may help you organize your thoughts while you research a stock. 1. Catalysts 2. Assumptions 3. Risks and 4. Valuation Let's start with catalysts. So catalysts, what are the key drivers of my narrative around this stock? These are typically qualitative and high-level developments that you think will drive growth in the business and can range from catalysts that are quite presumptive slash explorative, or they can be relatively grounded in supporting facts and figures. Catalysts can relate to the company specifically or just the industry in general. For example, one catalyst on a solar stock might be Based on research by JP Morgan, investment in renewable energy sources by governments and industry will need to increase significantly over the coming decades to reach global emissions targets, and X stock is well positioned to continue to benefit from this trend since it is the industry leader in the solar space and already has a large pipeline of work lined up. Now let's go on to assumptions. Assumptions. To quantify the magnitude of the catalyst. Here with assumptions, you will then try and provide a well-informed estimate of the magnitude of each catalyst you have surrounding a stock based on your research. This is to avoid airy-fairy forecasts of, oh, solar is going to be huge, therefore X will benefit. You have not grounded that assumption with a quantitative estimate, and therefore it can be very hard to track as it plays out. The key here is that it doesn't need to be precise, it just needs to be an estimate. So for example, your assumption on the previous catalyst might be, Global spending on solar investment from governments and industry is expected to reach X billion by 2030. X stock currently has a market share of 30%, but I expect it will slightly lose market share over the coming years due to new competition, and it will decrease to around 25%. Therefore, I believe it could generate X billion revenues by 2030 since it has 25% market share of an X billion dollar industry. Now let's move on to risks. Risks. What could prevent the catalyst from playing out as expected? It's important to consider the other side of the coin and think about future outcomes and probabilities rather than a binary right or wrong scenarios. For example, there is a risk that the industry forecasts don't play out as expected due to new innovations in other energy sources being more efficient or the transition simply occurred lower than expected. This would result in my future revenue figures being lower. However, given the research and development up until this point, current reliance on solar and continued efficiency gains, I don't believe there will be a high likelihood that solar will be replaced or superseded by alternative innovations, and it will continue to be a major energy source needed into the future. Now let's move on to valuation. Valuation. What do I think the business is worth based on my expectations of its future prospects? There are many ways to conduct evaluation, but all involve figuring out price to pay based on the company's future prospects. One method is you can envision that future scenario where the company is generating a certain amount of revenue and profits that you think will be likely in a certain year, and then estimate what it would be trading at based on those metrics and discount that value back to today. So here's an example. 
Based on my expectations, I believe X stock will generate X billion in revenue by 2030 and X billion in profits by that year. Based on its 10-year average PE ratio of 20, I assume it will have a market value of Y billion dollars, which is basically the 20X PE times by the profits. When I discount that future value back at 9% per year, my discount rate, I get an estimated present value of X billion, which is 30% above the current market price. Therefore, I think the stock is currently undervalued. With this process above, you will now have more conviction in your decision, be it buy, hold, or sell, because you came to the conclusion yourself, you have a valuation to anchor your buy, hold, sell decisions to, and you have a narrative and valuation to monitor as time develops. You know what you own and why you own it. This is investing. Without all these, you're simply speculating or investing emotionally. What else is happening? First, a recap of the key data releases we mentioned last week. The Federal Open Market Committee raised the Fed funds rate 0.25% to 5.5%. This was widely expected, but takes the interest rate to the highest in 22 years. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell didn't add much to his previous statements, but he did say, quote, I'm saying we would be comfortable cutting rates when we're comfortable cutting rates, and that won't be this year. I don't think it would be. And then, a few news items we thought were worth noting. One, second quarter earnings from big tech companies are off to a decent start. Microsoft reported record sales and beat estimates, but growth from its cloud business continued to slow and the company lowered its forward guidance. Alphabet reported slightly better growth from its cloud business, which is smaller than Microsoft's, and a strong recovery in search. Meta also impressed the market with better than expected results and optimistic guidance. The results were driven by strong engagement with ads on Facebook and Instagram. On the other hand, Meta's Metaverse experiment continues to rack up losses, which isn't to say they won't pay off eventually. The common theme here is that the recovery in advertising is continuing, but businesses are being more cautious with their spending. And two, China's Evergrande Group is the distressed company at the center of China's real estate crisis. But it's not only struggling with real estate, its subsidiary, China Evergrande New Energy Vehicle Group, disclosed a $10 billion loss for 2021 and 2022 when it reported long overdue financials. Evergrande is trying to diversify in the auto market, but facing the same problem automakers have faced for the last 100 years. Consulting firm Alex Partners recently estimated that there are 167 EV brands in China and only 25 to 30 can survive the next decade. Key events during the next week. The focus this week will be a string of employment data in the US. The JOLTS job opening numbers are due on Tuesday, followed by the ADP employment report on Wednesday, and non-farm payrolls and the unemployment rate on Friday. Interest rate decisions are due for Australia on Tuesday and the UK on Thursday. It's another monster week of quarterly earnings. These are some of the big names, but there are lots more reporting. Avis, On Semiconductor, Yum China, SoFi Technologies, Pfizer, AMD, BP, Uber, Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Qualcomm, Shopify, PayPal, Occidental Petroleum, Apple, Amazon, and Alibaba. That's all for the Market Insights this week. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, invest well. Simply Wall Street analyst Richard Bowman and Simply Wall Street have no position in any of the companies mentioned. This article is general in nature. We provide analysis based on historical data and analyst forecasts only, using an unbiased methodology, and our articles are not intended to be financial advice.
It does not constitute a recommendation to buy or sell any stock and does not take into account your objectives or your financial situation. We aim to bring you long-term focused analysis driven by fundamental data. Note that our analysis may not factor in the latest price-sensitive company announcements or qualitative material.